Hey, so glad you found this episode of the Surviving the Minefield podcast. I am Vernal Part, and with me today is my absolute favorite podcaster, radio host, all-around political commentator. She is on 95.5 AM 750 WSB in Atlanta. You can listen to her on the Propaganda Report podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. Check it all out at thepropreport.com. And Monica Perez, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for that superlative introduction. I uh, I don't know if I'm worthy, but I'm very happy to be here, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it as well. And um, so I've sent you some little links or nuggets that have been kind of swarming around in my mind. Obviously, I listen to tons of podcasts, including in your radio show, of course, when I can live. And I, at the same time that I was reading this book that I received many years ago, actually, at this point, it, it was linking up so much with what's going on. And actually, I can't put my finger on it and and give you it right off the bat because I think what I what I want to do is is understand what it really is. Well, what's the name of the book? It's called The Devil Inside the Beltway. And then the subtitle is... The shocking expose of the U.S. government's surveillance and overreach into cybersecurity, medicine, and small business. If that's not comprehensive wow. enough. <laughs> and uh, the, the guy that wrote it is – his name is Michael – I think you pronounce it Dougherty. Um, it's D-A-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. And – I saw I, I saw him speak, and I remember at the time I was like, "Wow, this this is is this real? Like this is so strange." Because it was he's not a big name; you'll never hear about it unless you read this. I don't even know if it's self published book. Well, what's the basic premise? Who is this guy? So, so this guy owns a company, not to be confused with WebMD, but his company was called LabMD, and basically he they just tested specimens, medical specimens. And they, I actually, he refers to it, his company multiple times as a, uh, like a cancer detection, uh, facility essentially. So you go get some biopsy or lab work or whatever, and you know, the little vials and whatnot get sent off. And then a company like his, uh, you know, receives them and does the, the scientific work to figure out what's going on with that specimen. So, and he was a, it's a small business, I guess, comparatively. I'm trying to think of what that other one is that would be like a, um, you know, an analogous, is it LabCorp or something? LabCorp, you know, Quest, your, yeah, those are, yeah. you go give your blood yeah, and yeah, then yeah, they yeah. analyze it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so I guess they so he's like a B2B kind specialized, of, yeah. Yes, and specialized in um, cancer, so. And when so was this? The, when did this take place? When does the story begin? The beginning, I guess, is somewhere around in the year of 2008, around May, maybe, 2008, because he does actually go through it as like a timeline, and he starts it, it opens with May 13th, 2008, and he's from Atlanta, Georgia. His company is ah, was headquartered fun. here. Yeah, so- and so are you, right? Kind of, yes, so it was I'm cool, you know, just to- Right, exactly. So I, it's interesting, too, that we've- you didn't already know this because I think it seems like a big story. And it's so anyways, we should get into it because I'm afraid of getting bogged down in the details, running out of time. But. No, let's not do that. Let's. So tell me what's the big picture of his business and where uh, it started with 
like why he wrote this book like what was the initiating event and then what are the other implications so what's the big picture initiating event for him the big picture is most simply summed up as he's just running his business and one day he gets like a, uh, a letter i think it is or an email phone call some communication from another company and that company is called tiversa and it basically says we're like a technology solutions company. And remember, 2008, so we're a while back, earlier, just you know, even earlier in the days of the internet and regulation and all that kind of stuff. And they, uh, so Tyversa sends this this communication, says, "Hey, you have some vulnerable files out there, and you know, out in the World Wide Web, they're they're at risk. Don't worry, we specialize in taking care of that kind of thing." Pay us, we'll help you. Essentially is how this went. And of course, I mean, right off the bat, you're probably already thinking that's, of course, this is some type of tactic. So it, it just, it kind of draws on, it's, it's a really almost painfully slow book to read. And <laughs> even It's fast paced, but so much of the government and, and, and this kind of stuff was so drawn out and bizarre. But essentially, you know, months and months and months later, he can't find the file you know, he gets a little, he gets clues along the way, like, okay, it was some girl, she had some software on her computer, it allowed for some type of vulnerability, according to what Tyversa was telling him, which was not much, they would not give him the information. But eventually, after he essentially said, hey, final decision, I'm not paying you to do anything. Like, I think the file is fine. I think you're actually the only person that has it. So kind of like so, the mob where there's like, oh, we can prevent yeah. your windows from getting broken and the only one who's going to break yeah, the windows so, is them. Right. And, and it's as if somebody broke the window and then came by and said, hey, you got a window breakage problem and we'll take <laughs> care of that. And then he went to go find the broken window right. and he's like, hey, but you, you know, that's your, uh, your, your passport right there next to my broken window. <laughs> I think it might be you. So, so anyways, right, right. eventually way later they go here, let me, uh, we're going to, we're just letting you know, you know, because we're such good people that we're going to have to hand this over to the FTC and they're going to, you know, just so we can cover our ass basically. Hmm. So let me see if I can find, there's a really, 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 really good summary so let me just read you this like summary that he gives because he, he gives it like four or five times for the book and it keeps getting more and more concise because he keeps having to tell new lawyers and new agents of government. So here's one of his really concise descriptions. Someone's, you know, he's talking to some lawyer, says, what's going on? He says, well, let me boil this down for you. Feel free to jump in if I stray or become confusing. But I founded my company in 96. We have 40 employees and test specimens that come out of urologist office, prostate, blood, urine, kidney stones, and so on. In 2008, our phone rang and a man named Robert Boback said that he was the president of a data security company in Pennsylvania named Tiversa. He told me someone there had downloaded a confidential file of ours off of a P2P network. He tried to get us to hire him on several occasions, and over the next few months, we resisted, but he wouldn't give any information about the circumstances surrounding how he obtained our file. About a year later, we got a call from Bobak's lawyer. A year later. Emphasis, uh, mine. <laughs> he got a call from Bobak's lawyer saying that his client, Mr. Bobak, anti-versa, was going to file – uh, give the file to the Federal Trade Commission. Lo and behold, last January, the Federal Trade Commission called us and has been investigating us ever since. That in itself so, is shocking. I mean, you, uh, why, I, I've, I'm shocked that they would discover this information that's bad for you, 
and then call in the authorities because how did they get that information? It seems like they were probably doing screwy stuff in the first place to have come upon that information and then to not share it with you seems like that. I mean, I, well, knowing the way the laws are these days, it could be that you're not supposed to share it with the person who could actually deal with it. But it seems funny. They must have had experience with the government if they knew they could do that and not put themselves at risk. I mean, I just was watching the Smiley Face Killers documentary by William Ramsey. And the guy, uh, there was a guy who, I mean, young guys were getting drugged or I don't know what. And this guy, like, found himself in oh, a yeah, drain yeah. hole. Like, he found himself in a drain hole. He called the cops and, like, I am in some, like, sewer system somewhere. Thank God I have my phone with me. I don't even know how I got here. So they showed up and they arrested him because <laughs> he was trespassing on well, government property. But I'm just saying, like, you you don't want to call in the authorities unless you absolutely are. I, he was glad he got rescued. He didn't care he was arrested. But I'm just saying, you don't. I wouldn't call the authorities if I were up to no good unless I knew I wasn't or knew that they were okay with it or whatever. I don't know. Just seems funny that they would call the authorities. Yeah. Well, so you're kind of already onto it. So, interestingly, he eventually here's a little a little tidbit of information he comes across in 2009 was a press release, which at this point of him finding it was two years before. And you know, at this point, because this just goes on and what? on. What I don't understand. Um, two years before what? So what year? Two. Two years is before when it starts. He's. Yeah, so as he's writing this, his he introduces this little piece of information and says that he found a press release from uh, 2009, and he in- interjects at this point in his story that this is two years ago. Okay, so, so he's talking from 2011, and he finds a 2009 yeah, yeah, press yeah. release. Okay. Exactly. And what's the press release? So he's surprised he finds it, but it says, quote, Tiversa, this is a, from the press release, today announced the findings of new research that revealed 13 million breach files emanating from over 4 million sources on P2P file sharing networks within a 12-month period. The research is based on data in an ongoing study by Tyversa, whose patent-pending technology monitors roughly 450 million users, issuing more than 1.5 billion searches a day. The files analyzed include only those identified on behalf of Tyversa's existing customer base. So, they go on Tyversa in like their own kind of accolades to, to themselves. It, I don't know what the stat would be in today's time, but at the time that Tyversa was in this kind of operation and doing press releases and having articles appear in different places, they boast, and this actually appears, I'm pretty sure, in the congressional record. They are before Congress saying that they actually execute more searches per day than Google. And that was in, I think, 2009 or somewhere around what? there. That that's Whoa. how. Yeah, yeah. Who's so it's the proprietary technology, technology guy? Who's the guy behind that? Like, you've read that, uh, or if you listen to my show, you know about that Quartz article about the origins of Google and how it was all about creating the the four-dimensional or whatever, the imagery of of digital herds by categorizing people according to their search patterns, something like that. So the search, so they well, they got Sergey yes. Brin to do this specific thing. I think they identified him as a teenager, as being like uh, intellectually capable of this. 
So this is a serious, this is quite a monumental thing to be able to do. I think that goes back what you're that article, this, I think that's one of the things you mentioned on your show that made me go, this is the stuff. This is how it works. So what well, this that is article what it's says, for, that course article. Okay. So this is what it's an application, an application of it. This is, well, I think it's a, it's a template. So it's actually the machination. That's what I mean. It's not so much that like this book blew my mind. It's like how it operates. Cause this right. is just one example of how they just do business. And it goes back to one of the quotes in that article for that courts article, which is titled something, you know, subtle like Google and Facebook or something are at least partially to do with uh, NSA and CIA surveillance or something. But in reality, it's all about surveillance because there's actually a quote in that article, which is interrupted by an ad and continues on with irrelevant information. It's just like a one-liner. And it literally says that the internet itself would be released and scaled, scaled, not necessarily up, but broadly and implemented, you know, more and more across, it was universities at first and then to the public. And that that would happen if the, uh, if the intelligence community was able to get what they wanted. Like that's a line from that. From the courts article, article. Which is basically, yeah, which is like saying, yeah, okay, so all this like internet stuff, we can we can have the internet popular across you know individual users in the public domain, as long as as it's going up, the center, the intelligence gathering people, the surveillance people are getting what they want since you know they invented the internet anyways. And they were saying that what they did they open they figured it out they got the people they incubated the tech they decided what they wanted and then in order for it to get the kind of like catch cast a net that catches everybody on earth they they drew in private capital in exchange for the value of the intellectual property and the commercial applications of it so that they didn't have to get funding to do it. And, and I would say they also had some cover because they tried with LifeLog. LifeLog was there. I believe it was actually a government-run thing, LifeLog. And then the day that closed, Facebook opened as a private thing that was supposed to be great and fun and whatever. So it gives them cover. It gives them funding. It's self-financing. Didn't – was it you or somebody was – somebody – tweeted at me or emailed me that the that the front operations of the CIA are the things that finance the CIA. So you're an investment banker like Jeb Bush was in Venezuela. Maybe he's a front man. Maybe he's a CIA agent, but he's still working. He's still, I always wondered about that. Like they're working. They know the job that they're supposed to be doing. You can talk to them about it. I knew a guy like that once, like or a couple of people actually. You could talk to them about like selling washing machines or whatever their front was, but they also had this other job, and it makes them money. It it invests itself. It pays for itself. Yeah, so, I mean, that's one of the questions that I, you know, kind of have about all of this is, is it is it really just because people that get into government or into business at a particular level just, you know, uh, opportunities present themselves that you can't resist? I mean, is it just because I can get money? Like, is well, that really I think, the depth I, of it? I think it's I, – I absolutely do not think that 
you have any thought of the larger implication. You have no 30,000-foot perspective at that age. There's none of that. You're funneled into these systems. If you go to Yale and you speak Russian, the CIA is going to interview you, even if you don't know that it's the CIA. They are going to, and they're going to give you a job, and you might know it's the CIA, and you might not. And and you, I think the majority of people, certainly everybody who stays, even in academia itself, I think everybody who's who's doing it, once they realize what it is, that or, or they don't realize, they have that ethical glass ceiling where they they will stop questioning the morality, the higher level morality, when they get to a moral calculus that justifies what they're doing. So, de- depending on your level of awareness, you know, you can if you if you're smart enough to go through the moral processes, and you're moral enough to reject it, then maybe you quit. Or whatever happens. But I think for the most part, you don't know what you're doing until you get into it and then you justify it. And a lot of it is justifiable. I think 95% of it, I don't know about CIA or FBI, 95%, I don't know. But certainly a lot of them are doing like what they're supposed to be doing and they're following the rules that are laid out. I think that's true for the vast majority of them, which is why if you talk to one of these guys, they won't say to you, yeah, you're right. This is all a scam. They're like, what are you talking about? There are millions of two or three person radical Islamic cells around the world. And, and we w- if we had only been able to monitor those, we could have stopped 9-11. I mean, you're very high level people, I think, are saying that and believe exactly that. And, uh, you know, so... I don't know who who does it, but let's so so okay. So he got this 2009 press release that he found in 2011, probably that says that just indicates the sheer scope of this. Yeah, and and actually, one of the things that you just said, you know, about these people probably to a certain level think that they're doing their job, but I would say that with the megalithic structure that it is, they can hardly. It's just too much. I mean, you're trying to govern. A country that's got more people in it than, like, you know, most other countries in the world. Ten and, times. I ten mean, I, remember, t- I would bet that the United States has ten times the amount of people of the, or more than that. I don't even think the average country has 35 million people or 30, 30 oh, yeah. million people. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And so, and one of the things that did come, that he brought up in the book too was like even his own lawyers, you know, were hardly knew even what was going on because it you know i remember at one point one of his crappy but high paid lawyers highly paid lawyers sent him a like a, a communication saying like well the ftc bases their publications on sans which is like this institute or something and he had another lawyer who his who this lawyer said don't talk to that lawyer anymore like we don't like him but he had kind of given the download it this this previous lawyer she says don't talk to him and then she goes and cites that the FTC is really just concerned about this institution, which happens to be where his other lawyer actually works. So it just goes to show, I like, completely the level did of, not understand what you just said. <laughs> it's well, it's it, it, to be honest, it's almost ununderstandable, right? Because it's so bizarre. So that, you're saying like that, bureaucracies that, that, within the government are completely at odds just, with each other. It's like that, like an, a web of of competing interests. Are you talking about? This like conflicts with. I'm him. just saying that it's incomp- incompetent. This is a dispute between 
him and two of his own lawyers oh, that were oh. literally one lawyer was saying, don't okay, talk to that I lawyer. I understand. You know, we got to base everything off of this, what this institute says. And he and he's and the reality is that other lawyer actually teaches at that institute. So she's, but yet she's saying, don't listen to him. We got to go off these standards. He's like, that's, you know, it's just the level that people do not even understand. And what, and it's, it matters because it, it ends up setting precedent and forming all of the stuff that we're, we're seeing now that's unfolding. It's the same, it's the same thing because let me tell you, um, so let's see. He, it, this is actually in the beginning of the book, but I think he should have put it at the end because it's a real kicker. It says, uh, so he goes back to Tyverse's homepage. So it's right out in the open. And he's, let's see, after reading the typical company stuff, I clicked on the About Us tab and saw the company's advisory board. Staring at me was a photo of General Wesley Clark. No way! Yep. He's such an interesting character because he gave us that list of the seven countries that we were out to get and are getting, yet he's a complete shill, uh, a member of the CFR. He Didn't he benefit from, like, wasn't there a scandal? Well, it didn't rise to the level of scandal, but I believe that he personally benefited from some infrastructure in destroyed countries, water thing in Bosnia maybe. Uh, so he's not to be trusted, but people think of his expose as heroic, if you know what I'm talking about. Right. Well, I mean, I th- when I read the name, I was it was just, I mean, I don't know how much actual evidence people need to to believe that there's funny le- funny business uh, going on at the level of essentially legislation without legislation. Yes. And that's because that's what all of I mean because this is a company that literally using mafia tactics wouldn't get says, where's the file? Show me the file. We need to see the file so that we can actually figure out if you're what this file is that you sent us that you say is out there and they won't send the file. And then the FTC starts doing the same stuff, you know, starts saying, you know, okay, come in, you need to have a, a deposition. We have to yeah. have a hearing. We have to have this. So, and the whole time you've got people that have spent their life in government at the highest levels sitting on the board. Right, right. Well, but here, so let's you know, say, let me just say, is this Tyversa thing, is it possible that what they were doing was getting just blanket trying to get consent from, like, every company out there for the kind of intrusive surveillance that they are after for total information control or whatever? I mean, do you believe the Tyversa mechanism? Do you think it's just Wesley Clark capitalizing on some tech that he was allowed to use or do you think that Tyversa was there to do something else to plug into the matrix well that's what I don't know that's the mystery yeah there's like weird little pieces that come in like all of this information supposedly has been released all of these files so Tyversa for whatever reason is getting in front of Congress you know to toot their horn not because they're in trouble and they're going in and they're saying – they're displaying the efficacy, I guess, of their technology for whatever reason. It's just like a pitch. But it's not like they're asking them to invest. So why are you going in there just to go, look what we can do. Look what we can do. We're better than Google. We can get all these files. Look, look, look. It's really weird because the guy the, – the guy 
searched everywhere for his own files. He had people going out of the office, sitting at like at home and cafes, just trying everything they can to find these files. How did they get them? If they didn't break into our system with their technology, then how did they get them? Because they won't admit that they broke into the system, but that's what they did. Then they admit it in Congress saying, we have super high-powered proprietary stuff, stronger than Google search algorithm that can find exactly what we're looking for, whatever we want. You have cybersecurity experts saying basically every single time we do a penetration test of anything, we always penetrate. Like 99% of the time. And I think they added – and that extra 1% would be handled with more time and money. So we can penetrate anything Well, don't in they, the first, first don't, of all. Don't they set it up so they can? Isn't it kind of like at this point illegal to fully encrypt? I think that there – yeah, so I think that this is all ties into this weird privacy slash freedom of speech. It's all these like little topics that are kind of related but not exactly melding together and trying to be turned into like a soup that can just be controlled because – the only place that they actually did on the on the World Wide Web find their documentation, their stolen documents, was one place, and it was on a .gov website, two, or maybe two places, a .gov website. One was in the congressional record because Tyversa was tooting their horn about having stolen it. So it's published. They published this wow. confidential, highly delicate information wow. in the public record. And then came back and said, you're the fucker that let all this information out. we got to take you down. And then the other, you know, kind of another little weird thing is that the – I think the other place it was located was in a research paper at Dartmouth because they're the ones who got the funding from the government to develop the software, which got into the hands of Tyversa, which had generals and homeland security people sitting on the board of it, using it as a mafioso tactics to go around. And what they, what every other company that they had approached had done, by the way, other companies had this happen. Remember, there was a big TJ Maxx like credit card leak, a you know, back in the early 2000s. That was a Tyversa thing. They have to come out and be public about it because that's the law. Is if you have that breach, you have to come say it. So you get doomed by all this this confluence of laws, and you almost have to bow down to the company. Otherwise, your PR doesn't look so good. You're just out there willy nilly with people's credit cards. Hold on. And so what they ended up doing? Yeah. Yeah. All, well, let me get to yeah, get what the end goal seems to be. Everyone kept saying, including the FTC, after they you know run you dry, and all lawyer all the lawyers that he would go to said, look, what they want is this thing called a consent decree, which basically is a, an agreement of 10 to 20 years of essential under the, essentially being under the thumb auditing and and close partnership regulation with the FTC. If you fight it and you don't hire Tyversa, then go to the FTC. You, you bow down to the FTC and you have to swallow the expense of 20 20, 20 years of regulation. Okay, so I don't understand. So if you use Tyversa, you are not liable, but if you don't, you have to... Like, what are you saying? I don't understand. Do you get a consent decree from whom? That's the FTC. So I guess the deal is if you don't say yes to Tyversa, then Tyversa says, well, we're tattling on you. We're going to tell the FTC. My guess is if you pay Tyversa... 
to to take care of your stuff for you, right. then you don't have to deal with the FTC at all. But if you start dealing with the FTC, you get dragged through the – I mean, you get dragged through it. So anyways, I think – I guess if there was like a, a touchstone or something where you have given me like the framework for this, back when you would talk about this – you know, well, the capitalist thing, and you can just look at all the new business. I think that we're we're like misjudging the level that we or the time that we're in. We're in the infancy still of the internet, and it really, it truly is. You know, because in my lifetime, we've gone from no internet to internet, and I'm young. And soon it'll be the Internet of Things, with it, which is five G, and then very soon after that. It's going to be 6G, right? It's going to be something else. Yeah, and I've, I've heard some other theories. I don't know. This 5G thing seems so weird. I mean, even oh. when you yes. like look into it, it doesn't even seem like it's, – it's kind of funky because it's like even the shilling for it is – still harkens back to like, well, it, you know, there's a lot of problems. There's like kind of iffy. You got to have a ton of equipment. And, you know, it's just really weird. And another weird thing that I didn't realize is that the government is the people are the ones who sell the radio space. I mean, so you have to build out your 5G network. You have to go to these government auctions to get the, the I don't know what they're buying, if they're buying radio towers or if they're buying actual like band wave airspace but it's coming from the government it's weird i don't understand it i mean it's well, like what something like that is how bank. mark warner a like one of those guys who basically never had a job outside of government is the richest person in congress because he grabbed up some of those licenses before they they had value before they were the government just was giving them away so he just showed up to the auctions and got them, and then it was a big scandal, and they stopped the practice, but he's still the richest guy in Congress. But one thing, I was listening to a higher side chat. It was uh, a guy, a, a guy, Cliff High, which I'd never heard of before. Very interesting, very uh, an alternative way of thinking about things for sure. A lot of alien stuff in there, um, but clearly he knows a lot about certainly the stuff that he knows about. But one of the things he was saying is that he thinks that 5G is totally detrimental and terrible and all that, but that there will be a next, that it won't be there long. And so he didn't say that it was there for a purpose. He didn't say there's a 6G, nothing oh, like that. Oh, yes. But I heard that one. But so here's what I want to tell you is that, so he what he was saying the next generation would be, and it's like blew my mind because it it dovetailed into a thing that I have said so many times as the most significant uh, thing that I've ever read in my life, ever, and it folds into Whoa. what he said. What I think is the most significant thing, the most mind-blowing thing I have ever heard in my life is that scientists took uh, two different electrons from the same atom and separated the two electrons or two subatomic particles yes, it was, by yes, seven miles. Yes. And when one, yep. when they moved one, the other one moved simultaneously without accounting for communication through space. Delay. Right. No delay. Right. Zero delay. So, yeah. So it's like a mirror. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that so that transcends space and time. Okay. In this. Yes. Yes. Right. So he what what so what this guy was saying is. Uh, he said the next generation, so 5G is like a super great carrier or transmission mechanism or whatever. Yeah, but it's if ephemeral technology and, that won't be here. And he, and he said that the next generation will not require a carrier because it will be entangled molecules. That behave that way. He right. didn't. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't make a reference to that like New York Times article that I read once, like twenty years ago. It was just like, why does no one recognize that this adds an element to our understanding, or or makes it clear that there are other dimensions? Like we don't understand. Like even Einstein isn't enough. Like you know Newton, Einstein, and then what the hell this is? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's just crazy. And 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 they don't make much of it, but if this if this guy's observation is has merit, it's that that is the actual foundation of the most transformational technology, and it, and that. And so what you're saying is like you're right. It's so profound that the internet is in its infancy, and what what is it even going to look like? And we're thinking even with the five G stuff, very linearly, we're thinking about something we can understand, which is stuff has sensors and receptors and cameras and blah 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 and it all like gets picked up by a cell tower it all gets put somewhere and then somebody looks at it and thinks about it i mean when we're talking about another dimension of how things interact i can't imagine how that would be used what it'll be what it'll look like what will our world look like what did you think about that guy? Because I listened to, and, and some of the stuff he was saying, I was like, dude, for real, like that he was talking about some stuff I hadn't really heard other people talking about that cryptocurrency with. It was just, wow, that's a really unique take. Sounded yeah, really educated. And he made really a great different. Point. But then he said some stuff that was just wacko. What was the point? Well, his point about the Bitcoin stuff was like wake up there there there's no going back to gold there's no going back to cash even like oh yeah when, yeah, when he's when like he crushed. said that You're i was like, like obviously duh yes right. obviously I we have like, 20 uh, trillion dollars right. in debt yeah oh wait we're just actually we're gonna actually print 20 trillion dollar bills and they'll stack them up to jupiter well that's a good point too so i don't i so i didn't he maybe I noticed they were like, there's another hour. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I would be very interested in understanding how the debt, the debt situation is going to be resolved. I mean, it's not, it's certainly as, uh, I, you and I have talked about before, I think the, it's not going to be solved within this paradigm. It's just not. No. So, no. So that guy is the one guy who could probably imagine what what at least step two is going to look like. A quote that he's that the the Greg Carlwood, I guess he's the host of the Higher Side Chats, that he said, and like I know if like someone's listening and they listen to his podcast, I understand like some of it's totally wacko and just bonkers. But what some of the things he was saying in that were, what was that? He had a. Of one liner. Oh, we're, we're being. I think he said onboarded. Yes, with the Bitcoin. I thought the same thing. It made me want to interview him. I want to. I want to talk to Greg. I want. You could get him. 
All right. Well, anyway, I did find I did find. Yes. And what he said about the Bitcoin thing, I totally agree. It is that it's clearly a way for a highly surveilled cashless society. I don't object to people wanting to do what they want to do. I don't care. But I'm just but it's true. I've long ago noticed that I wondered why libertarians all embraced it so heartily, knowing that it's it's so it's it's it cannot exist off the grid. It cannot exist that way. So it's so like agorists and voluntarists and libertarians and anarcho-capitalists are this kind of continuum. But Bitcoin seems so uh, just so, you know, in the future of the totalitarian surveillance world. It's hard to get my mind yeah. on it. But people, people really – are on board with it, so I don't want to criticize. I really don't know, and maybe I should do some homework, have somebody on who can tell me that. You're right. It's all, I mean, all of that stuff, and it doesn't seem related, but it's totally related. The stuff about what this book and that topic, like, to me reveals is that this is how the game is played. All the big stuff now that's coming out, all, all of this, these big, major corporate players – they're not like dudes walking around with their top hats on, handing nickels to kids so that the people love them. It's <laughs> not those John type of industrialists. <laughs> they were yeah, dimes. It, it's, it's, yeah, dimes, whatever. So it's it's not that's not. I mean, it's all these tech giants. I mean, who who do we talk about? We talk about Elon Musk. We talk about Tim Cook. We talk about yes. the you know Googles and Facebooks and Twitters and 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 YouTubes and. And major news corporate. I mean, these are the the central thing of our culture now. They are yes. the central. I mean, the news I also. I mean, that. we talk like all oh, the news is dying. The news is dying. The news isn't dying. Information is not dying. This is it is more in your face and in in your mouth and in your ears than it's ever been. Okay, right now I, so, I have a lot to respond to. So say you're so, and then I've got to respond. No, go ahead. I mean, my just further iterations of that, that this is this they have obviously they absolutely must and they will and they have to do everything they possibly can to infiltrate this the medium in which most things will be done. We've got deep fakes. We've got we've got fake money. We've got, you know, fake news. We've got news that is created by robots and like not even humans writing. I mean, all of this stuff is going to, even if all of those are just red herrings, they're going to get control and this is how they're going to do it. They're going to make the company that you use. Okay. They're going to make it. Now you keep giving so anyways, me more. So anyways, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. More. So let me just, <laughs> maybe I'll go backwards with all the things that I have to respond to what you just said. Uh, as far as infiltrating the medium for, and they will control, it just occurred to me that to when they hit the limitations of mind control or even like legal difficulties with it, I don't know, that's going to get back to my another point I have, which is like we're post-law, but uh, they if they, maybe they can't control the mind in like the MK Ultrasense, I think they probably can, but... But but if they can have us, instead of uploading their stuff into our mind, have us put our minds into a, a vessel that they do control, which is what this all seems like. This is what virtual reality and augmented reality 
and being completely connected all the time and all the data and everything. It's a, it's not a real cyborg thing. It's a, we put our essence into the machine rather than, you, you know what I mean? Like interactively and they control that so that, that the mind, you know, with they can also implant things into your mind, but people have this image of like the cyborg being the singularity or whatever it doesn't really have to be that. It can be you project it yourself. You are projecting it yourself into the thing. It's in your it's in your mind constantly. Who knows what it really does to it? But the other things I wanted to mention is that the the what we are with those big tech guys, they are these face jobs, they are these ambassadors, they are the Pied Pipers, which is what the Silicon Valley company is called. They are the Pied Pipers, and these are guys who are uh, amazingly quite often they're the college dropout basement dwelling tech guy who then becomes an entrepreneur who then establishes a successful company which dominates that sector of the industry and he scales up with a lot of managers with a lot of people under him, he has to manage a lot of people. He figures out how to blanket the earth with his product. He got he has the way to dominate. He's the guy who can go to Congress and have that interaction. He's also the guy who gives the TED Talk and can reach out to you. The likelihood that every single solitary big tech company is was founded, established, conceived of, run, mega-sized, and politicized, and... Uh, propagandized by one individual who's at this point like 38 years old is beyond my ability to comprehend. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we're talking about Elon Musk, Sergey Brin, Peter Thiel, um, uh, Pierre Omidyar, Mark Zuckerberg. You, you know what I'm saying? Like every single one of these people and most of them, if you just peel one layer of the onion, you find some defense connection, yeah. some military intelligence or defense company connection. I mean, does that not, anyway, so, so, uh, to bring it all together, this, this, uh, these people, these ambassadors, these guys who are doing both the back end and the front end, who I consider to be composite people who are, who were chosen for either their, for, for their intelligence in some way, whether it's just to remember stuff so they can speak or to act or both or whatever, I don't know. But they are, I believe that they have been tapped young and have some evidence of that. And that what we are now is beyond democracy. We're beyond choice. We're beyond liberty and organic, uh, society where we can actually look back at the things that respect our humanity as the foundational stuff for our laws. And now we're in this cyber world of information and democracy is there to give us the illusion of consent in this interactive, but highly controlled world. And I'll throw back to a, um, something that Binkley just played for me, which was a, uh, a, from a Chatham house, which is a big like think tank, you know, world controlling organization, a billionaire who was part of the world economic forum and all that. He said, look, we, we, they were talking about direct democracy, but, but as a function of curated information. So, so people, when just 
left to their own devices of uncurated information, cannot process it and make the right choice, or we wouldn't have Trump or Brexit. Whereas, I think one of the things he also said was you could you could get um, abortion passed in Ireland by how you approach the the people and how you approach their information and how they receive information. And this guy just said, look, it's all about this billionaire guy parachuting in to make his comments. It's all about filtering how you filter that information. And then disseminate it, you mean, unto the, those subjects of your, of your. Well, I'm, yeah, what I'm saying is that, that we are, that what we, when we're watching the news and watching a 20-person Democratic debate, we're li- thinking that Trump's offhand tweet gave us a, gave, made him end up in a meeting with Xi or Kim Jong-un or whatever. If you think that's what's going on, if you even think that this is a struggle between Republicans and Democrats, it, it, to me, I, I wonder about voter fraud and everything. I don't know if they if they really need you to go and cast the votes. But the fact, it it seems to me, you're not stopping 5G. We want to stop it, and we're not stopping it. We make no impact whatsoever. We are not in control at all. Other people are in control. They're unified. They're competent. And they, they spend a lot of time and effort selling us through, uh, Many people are distracted by the drama show of Trump and Hillary or whatever it was, is. And then other people are pied pipered by these big tech guys. And I just, I feel like it's, it it is, it's getting to the point where it feels very Truman Show like to me. And they are shepherding us into a like hermetically sealed, world of the mind, which is like one of the reasons I like your uh, title, Surviving the Mind Field, because that's, it's, I think they are creating an artificial environment for our mind, and like the Matrix, it will continue to, we will continue to, to believe, we must believe there's conflict, that we're fighting about it for it to seem real to us or for us to accept it for us to consent we must feel that it had been it's the result of a continuing adversarial process but it's really not yeah no i is that too much to digest no no it's not i mean it's so broad but it's it's so it's so the way it is i mean that is i mean the reason because i was telling you beforehand that i really have another idea for like the, the what I wanted the podcast to be called and I wanted a reason to call it that but but at the time when I did think uh, surviving the minefield it really wasn't I mean ultimately it really is I mean the matrix uh, motif works for the way that I I see it in a lot of ways it's so in in at least one way a hundred percent of reality is in your head or it's in you, whatever you want to say. You're not experiencing Well, you could go back it. and look at the philosophers. I try to figure it out. Like, I, I, when I was contemplating the existence of God, like, really putting a lot of <laughs> attention into it, I thought, well, have we made any progress in answering this question? 
And then when I looked back at what Aristotle, the Greeks would say, I thought we have made no progress whatsoever. So I'm going to stop trying to answer that question because I'm not figuring it out. And just, I, I'm going to just do what my mother said that she figured out at 19. Uh, she claims it's because she's less intellectual than I am, but it seems to work for her. She says, yeah, I don't worry about that stuff. I just decided it's a better way to live. And uh, so I live it. And boy, does she live it. So, so, but you look back at those guys and they kind of, and I read a quote. I wish I remembered whose quote it was or the exact quote, but it, I puzzled over it for so long. And I gradually am coming to understand it where he said, uh, all, all things or all thoughts or all ideas, something like that are Greek in origin. And I, and I think, so you could go back to what you just said and go back to the Greeks. And I mean, this, this was a debate that, that essentially is unresolved, I think. Although I don't care so much because I do live in this reality and I have actual children who actually need to be fed and they need to mate in the, you know, like that's my, my sense of like success is if you have offspring who can successfully mate and have offspring who can successfully mate and have offspring like that's like psychological health for the ages anyway so uh the 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 point is i don't for me i care about the world because that's what i live in and maybe there's more to it than that but you were saying that the mind is all there is and what's your i mean maybe you can help me understand the nuances of your view on that well, I mean, I it does go there. I mean, that's that is like if you want to sit there and think. I mean, you know, a lot of those types of conversations, like philosophical, the philosophical me and, and experience and all that stuff. It honestly, it goes back from what I can tell, probably further, but at least to Descartes, because what he said was, "I think, therefore I am," and he before mm-hmm. he came up with that, he had to adjust his life like in his writings it's like okay like i've gotten my life in order enough that i can like sit down and actually have these thoughts because it's going to be really hard to have them and so that's basically what he said and it's it's what he did and it's like i heard it expressed one time that he basically emptied out everything i'm going to disbelieve everything that i think i believe and try to figure out what is the basic the base thing i can believe because I could be being tricked by a demon. Well, what you do know is that you're having the experience of thinking about it. That's what he said. And it's still the same thing in philosophy. Some of your greatest think, uh, you know, philosophers in that realm are people like Daniel Chalmers. He's like a current philosopher and he's posed something that's really popular called the hard question. It's the hard question of consciousness. But the question is basically the same thing that whoever wrote what it's like to be a bat. It's the same. It's all the same thing. It's what is it like to be you? I mean, that's all that you have. It's just your experience. Honestly, I mean, if you stop experiencing right now, then nothing matters. And kind of like if a tree fell in the forest and you weren't there to hear it, did it make a noise? Well, if you weren't there for it to not make a noise, then no, it didn't. Because for you, there was nobody there to perceive the world or have feelings. And I think that that's like really woo-woo-y sounding and really like too much and people's like eyes glaze over and their shoulders start hurting, got to rub it, you know, when you (laughs) hear stuff like that. But honestly, I think that you have to account for that. 
otherwise you you're just being you're going to be even if there's no manipulator you're just gonna be manipulated by your environment the input that's going in and if you can accept that then my next assertion is that you're being manipulated it's obvious every single show that i've watched in the past on netflix which is all i basically have in the past maybe year has gay people in it gay lesbian whatever and more and more often probably now more recently about 40% seem to have some type of trans person in it and these are really popular they're the ones that are being pushed they're from the Netflix studio they're right there front and center they're the best quality shows on Netflix I don't know I don't care about those things really <laughs> I don't have a dog in the fight I'm, but I am saying that that those populations don't represent 100%. They're not, they wouldn't be in 100% of storylines or scenarios, but it's right. The it's way clearly it is. not designed to to reach the demographic or a, this is what a you were saying the other day uh, with Gillette. Uh, yeah. Yes, it's that thing. It's like this yeah. isn't. It's for social engineering. Yeah, it's not for your entertainment. That's not why there's a gay person in that show. That is not why they wrote the gay person into every single show. They wrote that in there because they had to or because they have an agenda. That's it. What might the agenda be? Well, with that particular – I mean, so I'm just using those as an example because it's so freaking obvious. I mean, obvious. some people think it's for population control. And some people think it's for to denuclearize the family so there's more dependence uh, for the state yeah. or to separate children's ideology and ethic from from parents so I, that they yes. stop influencing them. They can look at the parents as negative. I'm just saying I, I agree with you. I don't – I'm a, I, 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 I am a libertarian. I don't – and I also think with the – uh, like the religious backlash against gays that like the idea that people aren't born that way is just, I mean, it's cruel to impose, you know, I just, I have, I have views about it. It's, it's, it's makes me feel conflicted because I do understand they exploit people who really have uh, problems with, you know, I've had, uh, been discriminated against or whatever are rejected or outsiders. They, they take those groups, identities, whatever, and they exploit their marginalization, their problems. They can celebrate that they, that this, this is becoming a part of the past, but they will always use it for their political purposes, which are never for the purposes of even the reparations thing. I had that great show where everybody called yeah. about reparations and people, uh, I think 90% of the callers were black Americans who did not want the reparations, that they realized that it's a trap. Or in any case, that the, the, the government that got us all into this, uh, these injustices in the first place is not actually trying to make it better for everybody. They're, they've probably done their psychological studies. I mean, this is kind of where I wanted to get back to. They do the studies. They know the impact. They know there aren't any such thing as unintended consequences. They're just unstated 
intentions. Right. You said you, that Kim just gave you an article. Your girlfriend just gave you an article. It was a crappy article, but it was talking about this thing called woke washing. So it was basically where corporations and, and all these – basically corporations are using wokeness as an advertising. You know, so like Cheerios is like there's two gay guys feeding their daughter, you know, that kind of thing. It's just like that's so – that doesn't help you sell cereal necessarily, but now it does. Right, and actually those guys used to – be blamed for the content of shows as being that we only want the traditional we we only we want to appeal to the demographic we're trying to sell to wasn't mike cornflake so, supposed to stop you from masturbating because it was so bland i mean isn't that a thing like those guys were like all uh, like anyways i don't think that's the point you're making sorry <laughs> I should, but that was a thing like <laughs> sorry i'm just saying when they used to care about profits they they cared strictly about matching the demographic, and funny enough, YouTube will tell us that they are censoring our videos because advertisers are demanding that the videos they get associated with don't have themes they don't like. And that's obviously just a pretext as well, because you see that Gillette and AT&T are making these ads that have absolutely nothing to do with sensitivity to the customer. And in both cases, you could say it's social engineering, but in no case can you say we're responding yes. to good faith advertisers who are simply trying to make a buck. So there's that thing that's happening. There's also what is like Nike or somebody did something with like uh, Colin Kaepernick or something and, and people like boycott it, but they made more money in the long run, actually, from that controversy. And that's one thing that I was going to say. Cause, Pizza Hut? No, no, no. Nike. They did a okay. thing with Colin Kaepernick. Oh, sorry, or Nike, something. Nike. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But the, uh, but here's like, so on one side, like I think that you're right. Like I think that that's like actually a, a, a an intelligent line of thought going down that way. Yeah. Now I'm in university. Most people, including like 100 percent of all the professors I've had, none, nobody would ever utter like the phrase "I'm against." I mean, even something as like actual and uh, tangible as like legislation like I'm nobody would say I'm against gay marriage yeah I will say this yeah they're virtue signaling and that uh, that's a great term Binkley pointed out to me virtue signaling they uh, so so they're they they're virtue signaling which works on a certain demographic the iGen demographic that has been uh, has been actually incubated inside the digital world, the medium that is highly controlled. They, their mind has actually already kind of synthesized with it. And they, they are the ones who are a hundred percent vulnerable to whatever is popular, whatever is the thing. Anybody who has, uh, ideas, those old ideas, are irrelevant, but I believe that this virtue signaling thing, it's uh, to have AT&T and Gillette go hand in hand with this media push, say the hashtag me too thing was only in the past year or two. The media push, it was intense 
and AT&T and Schleck get right on board, even though Gillette, for example, alienates a lot of the older people. Yes, they're positioning themselves for the future, but they know darn well that what is happening is here to stay. They know that. So, so exactly. if you see Trump yes. coming, when I said I, I go to the Grammys every year, and I said if Trump is real, if this is the real deal, then we're going to stop seeing Satanists and prostitutes up there, and we're going to start seeing more Christian things. And Pharrell Williams, I think, thanked the Lord. Like that night, he thanked the Lord, and I thought to myself, which Lord? <laughs> Nothing against yeah. him, you know, but like when you go to the Grammys enough, no, no, you, know, know, you just watch the Grammys. There's always satanic symbolism. Always. It's almost like they're toying with you, even if they're yeah. not Satanists. They just think it's fun. So, um, yes. So I'm just saying that, that the, the, the word changing. Illuminati appears in like every song. Yeah. It's stuff like that. And it yeah. could, but it's just like, it could be. So people are saying Trump is this backlash. Gillette, does Gillette really think that all of their men uh, like they're choosing a side, they're 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 on a horse right out of the gate, and and that's what I'm saying. Like they're part of the social engineering. Yes, it will win. It's going to win, and it is future. It is future looking, but they know it's future looking. They know darn well the populist backlash isn't going to take hold. Trump is not changing back our culture. That's not, and he wants to do the infrastructure thing, and it was under him that the five G get absolutely crammed down on every single solitary town and municipality in the whole country. People have to respond and give the rights of way and give the public lands up within 60 to 90 days under Trump. So he's not doing anything that's going to interfere with this post-legal, <laughs> post-government world, and and everybody knows it. So think about this dynamic. It's weird. So... The teacher said, the professor said something. And a student who's white and gay says something like, we, I just noticed that there's a lot of white people contributing to this conversation when we have minorities in our presence maybe and then like gestures over to them with his hand his enlightened hands (laughs) that maybe they would like to you know contribute which was like the silence was deafening (laughs) it was deafening well the funny the professor tried to fumble something out of her mouth but I'll say this that I think that that made most people in that course uncomfortable and one of the black girls her first response was uh well i have a mouth and if i wanted to say something i would which is interesting because if you think about what happened on the stage the other day of the democratic debates when was it kamala harris somebody said something to joe biden it was just so freaking awkward yes and she's so full of it and they're gonna pull it's already coming out how completely full of it she is so I think that's there. She's going to yield to Stacey Abrams because she, Stacey Abrams is going to be the one who's supposedly not full of it. But anyway, go into right. that. But well, yeah, probably. But my, my point is the difference in dynamics. I mean, oh, the, in the real I world versus that, what they're cramming down our throats. I think that most know the fake world. Yeah. So the real world is you go and act that enlightened in a classroom right. full of young people that are all enlightened. Right. You're going to, 
render a, not a class full of support, but a class full of Horror. people looking down at their laps going, oh, my God, what the fuck do we yeah, do now? because they're not really trying for a post for post-racial society. They're not trying for a society where race doesn't matter. They're trying for a society where no. race is the only thing that matters. And what are you supposed to do with that? Well, it was such a small group class. That particular class was very small. And I think that what it demonstrated to me was if you get people close enough together, that kind of shit doesn't work. That only works when we're just shouting it into the universe, just shouting it to the Twitterverse. That's why I can't stand our culture and our even our current event culture because we're all discussing things as if every single person – and every single city is as diverse as the whole globe. But that doesn't make any sense because then no place is diverse and then the globe couldn't be diverse if every place were as diverse as every well, other place. Well, that's what's you know sad what about the like, whole thing. It doesn't make sense. They, in, the, in the name of respecting cultures and multiculturalism and all that, they really are destroying culture. That's what it's all about, destroying culture. Yeah. I am yeah. not... I do not believe in a cultural hierarchy. I absolutely do not. Like, I understand. I look at the Amish, and I'm thinking, they might have had the right idea. Yes. You know, I, I'm not looking at that. I really don't think, like, I visited in the deep, deep Amazon jungle, deep jungle. I took, like, five hours on a boat up this river, and to the point where it reminded me of when I read about uh, Captain Bly taking an open boat voyage thousands of miles and and his people who were dying in the in the boats were like we need to stop at some of these islands and refuel he said they're cannibals they're going to eat you and uh, it was true and when we were going up the amazon the priest i was with was saying yeah those guys like people get killed here every once in a while you probably don't want to pull over <laughs> i was like okay so i got up there and they you would wow. bring them supplies and everything t-shirts and they would just be like in the mud and they were in their bark uh, ponchos with really ground down teeth because all they did all day long was chew on the yucca, I think it is, and make like this yucca hallucinogenic uh, yeah. thing. They were just sitting there all in a circle, just chewing and spitting, chewing and spitting. And the missionary priests were like, look, we're trying to help them because once the, the, um, like factories and stuff or whatever settlers built fences like the animals stopped just walking right past them to get killed so they they just weren't in a society you know they're not in a society where they can handle it they they're whatever but they really just want to sit around and do that thing that we all want to do which is like <laughs> sit around and check yeah. out you know that's what yeah. tv is for and alcohol and every other thing and if a, a deer walked by every once in a while and you could just knock it over and uh, you make yourself a little steak it'd be like I'm done. So I'm not a cultural I don't believe in the yeah. cultural hierarchy, but what they are what they are doing uh is they like the UN thing on refugees and immigration and stuff. They're just really trying to make sure that there is absolute fluidity like ocean water. Like ocean water. So there's no basically very little difference between the ocean water and the Atlantic Ocean and the ocean water off of Spain, like off of Atlantic City versus Spain. 
There's just you, do you mean the movement of people? Yeah, they're, they're doing that, and what and then, yeah, and what yeah. it does is it just it destroys culture, and all you have left. You don't have like best practices of all cultures, which would be great, or tolerance of different people, because eventually there won't be any different people. What you have is a sterile, materialistic culture, and I think that happened in China to some extent, if not totally, where it's just it, it, the materialism. I almost wonder if that's like Marx's dialectical materialism actually is right and results in actual materialism and nothing else. And and that I don't know enough about it. Oh, you need to. Fi- you are the kind of person who can figure that out. I don't actually have time to delve into that right now because I gotta go. But, um, but yeah. But but yeah, that that totally interests me. That kind of stuff. And and you know, t- fodder for future podcasts for sure because that's right up your alley. <laughs> anyway, on that note, I did we just like start a bunch of topics and not finish any, or did we get somewhere? So I'll just say to like if if there is a full circle to bring it for 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 me listening to and being a, such an avid uh, fan of yours and what you've been talking about lately. I mean, all of this stuff really does fold together. Obviously, I mean, maybe it isn't obvious, but it it does all fold together. I mean, I can't help but go through these kind of machin- uh, machinations of. You know, like the the stuff you've been covering about with, with, through that courts article and the and the CIA and the surveillance and the free speech and how you've been censored and you've been suppressed and how we've seen other people being censored and suppressed and how we're having these debates about you know and and all of us are in on the conversation so and we comprise what you might just have to call the culture and they're bringing us in on the conversation because they need why why I guess because. We need our consent yeah. or cooperation. It, it would be so obvious. I don't, you know, there's, yeah, there's, so there's clearly something going on. And then, and then there's clearly like this kind of book relays and kind of excruciating detail how some of the stuff that's actually going on there for you, um, and what, and what you're being told about is, is either it's neglecting certain points or it's, it's couching it in a way that, that doesn't capture the, the reality of the of the situation and i don't think we realize where we are as as just a culture in general and it's it's really sad well, where we're going but yeah and and i don't like where we're going and I, and I see it coming and there's like the two sides are now just growing up together so i think it's almost like the star wars kind of future and you see this a lot in futuristic what? films I don't understand. where it's like very where it's like really um like everyone's kind of gone back to the simple life in the Adobe hut and the, and the, oh. the log cabin, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna matter when, yeah, you live in the Adobe hut, but you also have like a, a walkie talkie that can talk to 50 parsecs away from where you are in some other galaxy, you know, so you're still going to be in the, in the matrix. Yes. You're just going to, you know, comfort yourself while you have how water your house plants or, or, or something. that so, you've been, that you've been relegated to that in the kind of, my son just reminded me of that old expression. Was it Orwell who said, "I don't know the weapons of World War Three, but World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones." So uh, I, don't, I wouldn't Such be surprised if, uh, if I, I mean, once we once the robots, which is really what they're talking about. I mean, I'm not making this up. Once all activity, all productive activity is automated, 
We have no seat at the table, and they don't need to give us, they don't ever need to deliver that future when there is no way for us to access arable land as an individual. They don't need to give us the utopian future they're promising us, the future they could give us, but they don't have to. Yeah, well, I don't even know why you just said that because now I'm, like, spinning again. But you're... I mean, yes, 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 a hundred times. Because, and I just have to like save those thoughts because I know that we're like running up against our time limit. So hang up on me and write it all down and we'll do it again soon. All right. So it was great talking to you. Do you want to like plug anything here? You should plug at least your stuff. uh, I have a radio show, the Monica Perez show on WSB in Atlanta, which you can get commercial free. Uh, My producer and sidekick, Binkley, he uh, and I do a podcast called The Propaganda Report. You can get both of those on thepropreport.com. And I also have a like a forum. It's called The Pool. Where if you want to talk to me directly, you can go in there, be my friend. I'll be your friend. People post their headlines and their thoughts on the news of the day. It's kind of like Twitter and Facebook and other things all combined, but it's a little bit off the grid, and it's very personal. We can talk to each other there, and hopefully uh, you will come and participate in, you know, you can have your handle surviving the minefield and we'll all know who you are and you can post your shows or whatever. Anybody who wants to communicate with me directly can go there, thepropreport.com. So, uh, yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you so, so much. I'm super excited. Uh, till next time, I, I love noodling and you're a great noodler. So let's do it again soon. All right. See you.